chapter 10 this morning. Look into the Word of God for a moment. Luke chapter 10. It's a city in Austria, and they came up with this. They said nearly 40% of pedestrian accidents are caused by cell phones being used. Surprise, surprise. People are being distracted with their phones and not watching traffic. So in our text this morning, um, the 70 have been sent out to uh, cast out demons and heal the sick, preach the gospel, preach the kingdom of God. And they're returning. That's where our text picks it up in verse 17. They're returning, and uh, they're pretty excited about what's going on. And Jesus speaks these words to them. And um, what I want to consider this morning is he... He, he speaks about distraction versus focus. I want to look at a sermon entitled, Names Written in Heaven. Luke 10, verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing uh, shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Names written in heaven this morning. I want to consider with you, first of all, the human tendency this morning. Because we do have a, a, ten, a, a talent, if you will, to be distracted. Many try to use this verse sometimes to drive home the point of not casting out demons, which I don't understand because Jesus is not trying to point out the anti-supernatural here. In verse 21, he says he rejoices in the spirit. And I'm sure anytime we defeat the enemy in Jesus' name, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of excitement going on in heaven. But here's Jesus. He's not trying to dampen their fire either. Uh, you know, obviously they're rejoicing. They're excited about what God is doing. They're casting out demons. No doubt people getting healed and saved or touched by God. And yet uh, 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 he, they're excited. They come back. Uh, and he's not trying to dampen their fire. Again, he's rejoicing that the disciples obviously are, are seeing some things and, and, and entering into uh, some of the truths that he's uh, trying to uh, uh, teach them and place into their lives. But he immediately interjects a warning here. And he says, don't let the excitement of the moment distract you from the real issue. Don't let this distract you from what you were sent out to do. He sent them out again to preach the kingdom of God, to heal the sick. And even though it's not specifically mentioned, I'm sure uh, he, he meant power over unclean spirits because obviously they were casting out demons. And this is the instruction he gave when he sent out the 12. But nevertheless, this morning is a contrast word. And we know that demons were cast out. Obviously, that's good. Because that goes with the territory of preaching the kingdom and healing the sick. But there's also a second point that Jesus wants to make here. Don't let that distract you from what you were sent out to do. 
Business coaches say when you hire shiny object people, watch out for them because they get easily distracted. When people are distracted, they don't do what they're supposed to do. Kind of like this illustration in Austria. They don't look for traffic. Amen. They don't look either way. Amen. You know, uh, I see this in Portland all the time. I mean, when you cross the road, probably priority number one is you might want to look left and right to see if anybody's coming. I mean, it makes sense to me. I mean, for obvious reasons. I mean, when I was raised, we had a thing. It was like, don't look out. You look out for cars because they're not looking out for you. That's how I was raised. So mom and dad simply wanted me to get to the edge of the road and look both ways for cars. And so they had that little jingle, amen, and it worked. I'm still here. And I've never been hit by a car, amen. But you know, you see people crossing the road, never even thinking about it. They got their hood on, or many times they got their phone. Don't let distractions keep you from the job that Jesus has called you to do. Doing the will of God is what is at stake here. We can get so caught up in other things and miss what we're called to do, amen. That is the will of God for our lives. When other things take center stage, many times the will of God becomes less important. And so he's, he's, he's speaking to them and he's trying to, to bring a, a, a little balance here to the excitement and saying, listen, make sure you keep the main thing the main thing. During the last World Cup in France, a bank security guard went to watch the game. Meanwhile, the bank was robbed. He lost his focus on what he should have been doing, and he probably lost his job as well. They're crazy about soccer, you know? See, our focus is always the will of God. We lose that focus, souls are at stake. When you look at this text, when you go back to the beginning of the chapter, he says, the harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. That will never change. That it doesn't matter how fancy the church is or how, uh, you know, how carried away we get with our music or our programs. Let me tell you something. That's the issue right there. It's the lost. It's souls. Amen. It's the harvest field. That will never change. And Jesus is saying there's an order of importance here. That first things are first and they should not be relegated. Amen. He's saying, keep the main thing, the main thing. And that will never change ever. When that starts to change, I tell you what, it affects everything around you. The church's calling is to reach the lost first and foremost. Hank Aaron, he's, I consider him the home run king, but that's okay. 58 World Series with the New York Yankees. Uh, Yogi Berra was the catcher. And when, yeah, and when Hank Aaron walked up to the plate, he noticed that his label was facing down. And so he said to him, who knows what this is all about, <laughs> he said, turn the trademark around so you can read it, otherwise you'll break your bat. Aaron replied, Yogi, I came here to hit, not to read. <laughs> no, in other words, you know, I'm not going to be distracted. So obviously, you know how that is. There's probably things going on. The catcher's always saying things and different things, trying to distract him. And, uh, but he came right to the point. This is why I'm here, to hit the ball out of the park, which he did many times. So let's consider, secondly, not forgetting salvation. 
the priority of salvation. He says, rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Because this is what it's about for you and I this morning. This is everything, amen. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Revelations 20:15 says, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I don't know about you, but that's the most important place your name should be. There's nothing more important than where your name is. Is your name written in heaven this morning? Is your name in the book of life? Because John says it, matter of fact, he said the book was open. And he said, anyone not found in that book is thrown into the lake of fire. They compiled some data, LifeWay research, took the input of 1,400 adults, 18 and older, who had not attended a religious service in a church within the past six months. One question asked how often they wondered, uh, one question they asked how often they wondered, if I were to die today, would I go to heaven? 52% responded, never. I never think of that. The next two closest answers weren't even close. 14% replied monthly. 13% said yearly. In other words, questions about life and death aren't ineffective. They just aren't the kind of questions that unchurched people ponder these days. That's the biggest question in all of life. Where are you going to spend eternity? If you was to pass away today, for whatever reason, where would you open your eyes up in? See, in this text, sometimes we can get so excited about doing things that we can neglect our basic relationship with God. Listen, your number one priority this morning is your relationship with Christ. I, I understand reaching the lost. I understand ministry. I understand being involved with people. I think that is phenomenal and all those things. But I tell you what, it means nothing if your relationship with Christ is not where it should be. Priority number one for you this morning is your name written in the book of life. Not are you involved, not are you busy for the Lord, not are you involved in this and that and starting this and starting that. The question is, how's your relationship with God this morning? Your salvation this morning is the most important thing on planet Earth. Our worth is tied to our salvation. Our worth is not tied to what we do for God. It's what Jesus did on the cross for us. Amen. That's what this is all about. I'm only here because he died for me. I'm only here because he let me hear his voice. I'm like one of these people in the survey. Did I ever think about going to heaven or hell? Heck no. Most of the time I was loaded, so I didn't even think about anything. But, you know, the point is, is that, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the truth be told, I never thought about heaven and hell. Amen. My worth is tied to what he did. <clears throat> Paul said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. In other words, he likens you and I to just a, just a clay pot. Clay pot that could be used for anything. He said, you know what makes you valuable is what's inside of you. And that's that treasure, God's presence, amen. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And without Christ, there's nothing to hope for. If you did more for God, would that make you more valuable? Would that make you more honorable? Absolutely not. 
Jesus paid the price that we could labor alongside of God, that we have the privilege to be able to lead others to salvation, that we have the wherewithal to know that you know, people are dying and going to hell uh, and that we can uh, throw them a lifeline, amen, that we can reach out to them and give them the hope of Jesus Christ, the same hope that we have. No, you're not more valuable for what you do for Christ. Rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Now, I think Jesus maybe even be dealing with pride here. That they need to be careful that pride doesn't fill their hearts about all that God is doing through their lives or through their ministry. You see this all the time, amen. The ministry doesn't become more important than your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is everything. It's everything. If you're going to invest in anything, invest in your relationship with God. Because, you know, if you look at the disciples, they were always comparing themselves with themselves, who's the greatest and so on. Maybe they even argued who cast out the most demons. I don't know. Kind of like football stats or something. But <laughs> never forget your salvation. Never forget the miracle of being born again. The moment you were set free. You know, I still remember the night. Not that you have to remember the day and the hour, but I'm just telling you, I remember the night. I remember walking into the little church. I remember going to the altar and then walking out a different human being. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm just walking around going... What is going on here? On. I was born again. <laughs> Greatest miracle in all of my life. This should give us a grateful attitude, amen, because our names are written in heaven and they're only there because of the grace and the mercy of God. My name doesn't deserve to be in that book. But Jesus, he let me hear his voice. He let me that night, amen, get, get something inside that says to reach back out to him and said, God, if you're real, then be real. It wasn't like it was the first time I ever heard the gospel. It wasn't even like the first time I've ever been to church. But that night was different. That night was different. That night, I responded. And that night changed the rest of my life. You have to appreciate the wonder of being saved, amen. I don't know, some people play so fast and loose with their salvation, like, yeah, whatever. How can you, I don't understand that. This is, such, this is so overpowering to me sometimes. I was praying the other day, and this thought came into my mind, this thought that I'm preaching here, but I thought of that illustration. Let me read it for you. His name is Wally, and Wally's a wild duck. <laughs> Let me read it for you here. You've heard it before, but this illustration just popped in my mind. I, I'm going to have to read it here. The flock of wild ducks were flying in formation, heading south for the winter. They formed a beautiful V in the sky and were admired by everyone who saw them from below. One day, Wally, one of the wild ducks in the formation, spotted something on the ground that caught his eye. It was a barnyard uh, with a flock of tame ducks who lived on the farm. They're waddling around on the ground, quacking merrily and eating corn that was thrown on the ground to them every day. Wally liked what he saw. He said, it sure would be nice to have some of that corn, he thought to himself. 
And all this flying is, is very tiring. I'd like to just waddle around for a while. So after thinking about it for a while, uh, Wally left the formation of wild ducks, made a sharp dive to the left and headed for the barnyard. He landed among the tame ducks, began to waddle around, quack merrily, and he also started eating corn. The formation of wild ducks continued their journey south, but Wally didn't care. He said, I'll just rejoin him when they come back in a few months to, toward the north. Several months went by, and sure enough, Wally looked up, spotted the flock of wild ducks in formation heading north. They looked beautiful up there, and Wally was tired of the barnyard. It was muddy. Everywhere he waddled, nothing but duck dew. It's time to leave, said Wally. So Wally flapped his wings furiously, tried to get airborne, but he gained some weight after eating all that corn. Hadn't exercised his wings much either. He finally got off the ground, was flying too low, and slammed in the side of the barn. Fell to the ground with a thud, said to himself, oh, well, I'll just wait until they fly south in a few months, and then I'll join them, become a wild duck again. But when the flock flew overhead once more, Wally tried to lift himself out of the barnyard. He simply didn't have the strength. Every winter, every spring, he saw the wild duck's friends flying overhead. They would call out to him, but his attempts to leave were all in vain. Eventually, Wally no longer paid attention to the wild ducks flying overhead. He hardly even noticed them. After all, he become a wild, a barnyard duck. Listen, there's no comparison between the freedom and the captivity. Amen. You know, sometimes when people don't pay attention to their salvation, they go from freedom to the barnyard. No longer did he even know they were flying overhead anymore. Let me tell you, your salvation is so precious this morning. Amen. No comparison to what you have. The world has nothing to offer. Even Wally found that out. He gets down there and it's like, you know what, this is not all what it's cut out to be. Don't forget the soul's salvation because at the end of the day, it's the most important thing. There's rejoicing in heaven when one soul repents and comes into the flock of God. See, the church is measured by evangelism. It's measured by the names written in heaven, not by the number of people that attend the church, but people's names written in heaven. Because if your name is not written in heaven, this means nothing. Let's look lastly at the power of focus. One of the things that we see here is, is dominion. This is when you keep first things first. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And it's very practical. As they're witnessing, as they're praying for the sick, preaching the gospel, people's lives are being touched. The kingdom of darkness is being pushed back as they're doing kingdom business, as they're doing the will of God. Amen. Hearts are being opened. Bodies are being healed and helped. See, dominion is not just words that we say. There's a, a tangible presence, if you will. There's something tangible going on. Dominion is when people get saved. Dominion is when people's lives get helped. So something tangible happens in our lives. And here they are, and they're out there, amen. And as you keep focus and your determination to continue to do what God has called you to do, your determination to, in living for God, I tell you, there's a dominion that comes with this. Because you go through things, you go through trials, you go through storms, I understand that. But you got to have a determination and a focus that says, you know what, I'm living for God. This is number one in my life. If everything falls into shambles, I don't, I'm living for God. That's first and foremost in all that I do. God, you know what? I'm going to put you first in my life. My salvation means everything. 
And when they do that, there's a, there's a focus, but not only that, there's a dominion that comes to their lives. And Joshua 10, verses 24 and 25, this is a, a picture of dominion when they were going in to conquer the promised land. And so it was when they brought out all those kings to Joshua. These are five kings that they defeated. They were put into a cave. He rolled back the rock. Joshua called the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with them, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. And Joshua said to them, do not be afraid nor dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. Thus, for thus says the Lord, will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And they went on to take the land. They had a dominion that was there by God that they were doing the will of God. They were set to take the land. They were focused. And in that focus, there was a dominion that came along with it. See, when you have dominion, the enemy loses his grip. Without dominion, nothing works. With dominion, everything works. Satan fell. Things worked pretty good. It's good. It's healthy to be involved with other people because that's what the will of God is about. You and I being involved in people's lives, reaching them with the gospel, continue to help them and to establish them. That's what the church is doing. Trying to get people saved, trying to get people to hear the gospel, trying to help them in any way. You know, it's healthy when you get your eyes off yourself, when your focus is not on this, but when your focus is out this way. And up this way. James Moore, he was a seminary student, went to visit a lady in the hospital who was dying. And as he walks into the room, he's a bit clumsy. It's a bit awkward. He hits the door hard. He bumps into the bed. I mean, this lady's dying. You know, she's in her last days. Needs some comfort. He bumps into the bed. He's trying to talk with his lady. He's not talking very well. He's, he's kind of, you know, just inadequate in certain areas. And so when he left that day from visiting this lady, he was really discouraged with himself and the way things went. But here's this lady, she's dying. And so when he leaves, she sees all this, and now all of a sudden she turns her concentration on him. And she starts to pity this guy. <laughs> For his effort, amen. You know, he's putting for all this effort, you know, kind of to no avail. And yet, she's concerned about the young man. And because of this whole scene, she ended up living and leaving the hospital. She took her eyes off herself. She started thinking about this young man. And just, you know, concerned about him. And something turned inside of her. She ended up leaving the hospital, living on many days because she took her eyes off herself. You see, when you focus on the will of God, which is heavily involves others, I'll tell you what, God brings a dominion that will allow us to push forward and see great things for God. See, our text goes on to say that God was filled or Jesus was filled with great joy. This pleased him, which is what we're called to do. The Bible says we're called to please God, to please him in all things, Amen. This is also what he wants from us. He wants us to please him as well. But I believe of all the joys that God experiences, top of the list is your name being written in heaven. The Bible says that there's more joy in heaven when one sinner repents 
than the 99 that are already there. God has great joy with you and I being written in that book, your name being in that book. When he saves us, it's great joy to God. John saw the book. And whoever's name was not found in that, that book, that's all that mattered. It's the names that are written in the book of heaven, the Lamb's book of life. See, the question this evening is, where is your name? This morning, rather. Is your name written in that book? Not I hope, I wish. Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ this morning? Have you repented of your sins? Is your name written in the book? Adam's towing as I close. Got pretty bad press in August of 2009. One of the trucks was pictured in the newspaper all across the country. It was damaged and partially submerged in a backyard swimming pool with another vehicle in tow. Law enforcement officials outside of Buffalo, New York, said 25-year-old driver was texting on one phone while talking on another when the crash occurred. <laughs> He's talented. Nicholas Sparks hit a car, crashed through a residential fence, sideswiped a house, and then came to a stop when his tow truck rolled into his pool. <laughs> Coincidentally, Stanford University released their research on multitasking during the same month. Their findings, which were published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, uh, restated the obvious. Professor Clifford Nass noticed that the prevailing thought is multitaskers are skilled geniuses. Instead, he said, they're lousy at what they're doing much of the time. <laughs> Take it from Adam's towing, there's something to be said for singular focus. <laughs> your number one priority this morning is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And are you influencing as many as you can? I love the picture. I can't remember his name. He painted a picture of salvation. And it's a picture of, of a man who's drowning in a pond and a, and a life preserver is thrown out with the, of the, of the rope pulling him out of the water. And you can see he's pulling him out. And then the artist stopped and said, wait a minute, there's something wrong with this picture. And so he redrew the picture and this time it was the same man drowning, being saved by that life preserver. He's pulling him out. But this time he's got the man with his hand reaching back, pulling someone else out with him. Amen. That's evangelism. God has pulled me out. And I'm going to reach back and pull out as many as I can. Make time for God. Make time for God. Make time for prayer. If you ain't got time for prayer, if you're multitasking so much you ain't got time for prayer and reading your Bible, then you need to, you need to lighten up your schedule. Come on. You need to draw out your day and say, this is what I do. And part of it needs to be, I read my Bible, I pray to God. And then you can fit everything else in with that. Because I tell you what this morning, your salvation is the most precious thing you have. It's not your bank account, your car, your house, your, even your spouse. The most precious thing you have is God in you. The hope of glory. Maintain that. Pay attention to that. Don't let other things distract you from the kingdom of God because that is the most important thing on planet Earth. Let's bow our heads this morning.